0: hunting is a complicated profession, which is why we're here to discuss The Mandalorian. My name is Dan Morin. Uh, As I mentioned, uh, we're discussing The Mandalorian, currently airing on Disney+, and on this show I invite a different person on every week to talk about the most recent episode. This week we'll be covering Chapter 11, The Heiress, and I've invited... My good friend, the host of many, many podcasts here on The Incomparable as well as elsewhere. And of course, my podcast twinsie, Erica Ensign.
1: Welcome, Erica. Thank you so much for having me. I feel like this is either the worst or the perfect episode to bring me in for. <laughs> Ooh, I look forward to hearing why that may
0: <laughs> be the case. I'm very interested. Um, but before we jump into this week's episode, I wanted to ask you how you feel like the show is going so far. Are you enjoying the show? What do you like about the show? Uh, the floor is yours.
1: I am one of those terrible Philistines who's just like, I am here for baby Yoda. And sometimes, (laughs) sometimes other things happen on this show. But really, it's all about baby Yoda. It's the baby
0: Yoda show. I understand that. Yep.
1: Uh Uh, Uh-huh. I enjoy, I enjoy the show. uh, But really, it is absolutely that little jerk face scamp that... uh, (laughs) That dragged me into it in the first place and has just like carried me along because uh, I think I can tell you the reason that I may be perfect or not perfect for this mm. particular episode is that I am not steeped in the lore mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. Star Wars very deeply. I have seen all of the feature films. I've seen, you know, the extra feature films, like Solo and, and Rogue One and stuff. I have even seen the holiday special. <laughs> and, uh, I'm
0: so
1: sorry. <laughs> you should be. <laughs> um <laughs> But I have not watched any of the animated series. I have not read any books or comics or any external universe stuff. Like, There's there's nothing else that mm-hmm. I know except for having absorbed things through my Twitter feed. <laughs> That's yeah, I was going to ask about sort
0: of the osmosis angle, too, because I also know that you're, uh, you live with a, uh, a person who is a Star Wars fan to
1: probably a little bit more of a degree, would you say? Mm-hmm. Yes, no? <laughs> yeah, more than me for sure, but not nearly as deep as, as you and some of, some of our other friends like i think he has watched some of the animated series but that's like after i go to bed and he hasn't really talked about them that much so i feel like i've gotten more just in conversations that i've been privy to Mm. like on slack or people tweeting back and forth to each other i think that's where i've learned the most stuff about you know like names that pop up Mm -hmm. or that Mm -hmm. that sort of thing but uh, but mostly I just kind of know the the most bland vanilla Star Wars stuff. <laughs> well, that's I think that's fine. And I'm interested then I think this is the perfect episode then because I'm
0: interested, you know, as speaking as someone who, as you point out, is steeped in all the Star Wars stuff <laughs> and comes with all that baggage in that background. I'm kind of curious to see how this episode was received by someone who uh, maybe, you know, just doesn't involve mm-hmm. themselves as much in, the, in all the background. So I, I yeah, think it will a- be interesting
1: it's a good test i think of a show you know right it seems like in this day and age we are now kind of of an age where the people who are who were loving the beginnings of you know star wars star trek doctor who the genre properties are now making those shows Mm -hmm. and there has been i think a huge backlash against the idea of fan service and people get really including my spouse whom you mentioned get you know annoyed by lots of fan service and things and i feel like that's that is wrong of them (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> huh. uh, you know, it's because... interesting. I have that same uh, argument with lots of people because I'm like, I am a fan. Service me. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Please give me more references. I am here for this.
1: <laughs> I mean, you've developed a, a universe and, you know, and characters and things. And it is part of storytelling to tie those things together. Y- you know, it's nice to have a really wide universe and a wide brush to paint with but if you never connect any of those dots i feel like you're selling yourself short and you're doing a disservice to the people who yeah. who care about yeah. these things and and love them so i think as long as you know it's not to the point where somebody like me who comes into a show like the mandalorian not knowing a bunch of extra stuff if i can't enjoy the show then yes you have done something right. wrong right. if i can enjoy the show it doesn't matter if it's wall to wall fan service because it still works. So I I, I tend to give a lot of side eye to people who complain about fan service because I think they are just grumpy.
0: (laughs) Well, it's also, I, I definitely can understand the perspective sometimes that it can overwhelm, if it takes over the plot to a point where it's like, this doesn't this isn't well executed anymore right because of that <laughs> yeah. then sure there there is such a thing as too much but I feel like in particular I think like that this show has done a, a nice job of straddling that line of feeling like it's something because again like you said if you've got this universe and you're telling stories in it if you're telling stories that have no connection whatsoever then to me there's a question of well why isn't this being told is its own thing. Why is it part of this universe at all? If you're not tying into anything here, so yes. yeah, that's where I struggle with it. Uh, well, this is a good episode, as you said. So let's uh, let's jump in and talk a little bit about this week's episode, The Heiress which opens very much where we saw last week's episode close, which is the Razorcrest drifting, still not looking great. Um, <laughs> no. Yeah, it has, had, it has had a rough time. Uh, they have made it to Trask, however, and uh, unfortunately the landing system is broken, so they're going to have to land manually. Uh, my first question about this week's episode is, why does Baby Yoda not have a seatbelt? I don't know if that bothered you. It bothered me a little bit. <laughs>
1: it, I wouldn't say it bothered me, but I would say that I noticed it. Um <laughs> but i mean we've we've established that he has force powers uh, so i feel like i'm not actually worried about him yeah i, I do feel like mando should be worried about him
0: though. Yeah, so that's, yeah. that's the thing that seems like some concern i feel like he, he would have him buckled up or something i don't know that's just that's just <laughs> safety friends
1: or maybe he knows that little scamp well enough to know that no seatbelt's gonna hold him for more than like two <laughs> seconds so that's why even point. bother he that's may have tried point. off screen
0: yeah that's a great point um the landing sequence here is uh, i thought i don't know if you saw this but there was a great twitter post comparing the landing sequence here to the landing sequence from the movie apollo 13 notable because this week's installment is directed by bryce dallas howard who is the daughter of ron howard who directed apollo 13 (laughs) uh and she actually uh quote tweeted it on twitter basically saying like yeah, that's exactly what it was. it was totally like a tip of the hat to my dad's movie, which I thought was really cool because I did. There are some shots in here that are like right pulled out of it, like the condensation on the controls and like the the flames along the bottom and stuff. But I mean, not enough to be distracting, just enough to make it feel like grounded in reality, which I thought was pretty cool because we've never seen really a landing problem like like this before. <laughs> they usually mm-hmm. just sort of gloss over that because it's usually very boring
1: yep yeah uh i actually have never seen apollo 13 so i did not know that there was any kind of nod going on i just thought it was uh, an intense and sort of exciting sequence where you know are they going to slow down in time and then and then i thought it was absolutely hilarious that they almost make it and end up in the drink and i laughed out loud
0: yeah my notes we we also cackled as we watched it uh my note does say tips into the drink too so yeah that's perfect perfect (laughs) phrasing there i i thought this scene was super well executed both from a like a a genuine suspense moment of like how is this going to play out uh and also just the hilarity that that is a comic like the 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 comic timing on that sequence (laughs) is just perfect it's really well done um and we have also our first sort of picture of the planet trask that we're going to which involves a mon calamari in like a cable knit sweater and i am already i'm already in like i'm already in at that point i thought that was awesome (laughs)
1: and and just the way like uh, they just are staring up at this ship coming yeah. in which is coming in way too fast and is probably really dangerous and is 100 percent chill about it just yeah. like oh what god. do i have to deal with now yeah, it's only wednesday <laughs> yeah <laughs> um
0: mm-hmm. so the razor crest gets hauled out by a uh a crane that looks a little bit like an ad at with like sort of a crane on it which is kind that of that was awesome i like that <laughs> like, too it's like
1: oh my god look at that crane
0: I just enjoy. I enjoyed that whole mm-hmm. that whole sequence. Um, he, uh, the Mando, asks our Mon Cal friend if he can fix it up. To which the Mon Cal <laughs> gruffly says, "I can make it fly," and then says, <laughs> "I'll fuel it up." And he kind of mutters, "If it still holds fuel." <laughs> I, I enjoyed that. Exactly what was promised. Um, and our frog lady is reunited with her husband in a very, Aww. I thought, touching scene. I thought it was really it was. nicely done.
1: Mm-hmm. I do wish th- the one problem I had with that is just that I I sometimes wish that when creating an alien, non-human race, that uh, the creators would give maybe a little more thought to how that race would express affection physically mm. in a way that is not what humans do. Because I feel like when you're shaped differently, the idea of just going in for like a hug and a kiss is maybe not the most natural thing in the world. Mm-hmm. and that. Because it is so uh, integral to the way a lot of people uh, express affection, it looks extra I don't. I don't want to say puppety because they're not puppets, but right. like it just it looks extra like a like people in a rubber suit mm. as opposed to if they had chosen some other motion to do to express the affection rather than just like going straight in and and, and doing that hug. So like that was that's the one thing. Yeah. Like I watched the episode a couple of times, and that part kind of like I, I was very touched by the fact that they got back together and she still got some eggs left, thank goodness. And like so that all made me feel good, but just the physicality of it left me wanting mm. a little bit. I wish they would have yeah. just found some other subtle way to sort of just visualize it that would have made it seem less like
0: two people in suits right i can see the kind of again walking that line between wanting it to feel very viscerally emotional to like something that you can relate to and i think in some ways too Mm -hmm. from you know the fact obviously that as we record this you know it's 2020 and people don't really hug that people that much anymore like so there was something nice about that aspect of it like i feel like it actually twinged a more visceral you know chord for me than it might have otherwise but i i agree with your point um so we uh we start out on uh, the mando is still looking for the contact to lead him to his covert um he uh, He acknowledges that, <laughs> that baby Yoda is hungry, looking at the eggs. Um, the uh, frog husband points uh, uh mando to the local inn and in it to uh, a, a particular mon calamari's working there, but before we go into the inn, we see somebody is watching. Mando mm-hmm. from the shadows, a cloaked figure who then disappears uh, as people walk past them in the time-honored fashion of people spying on other people. Yep. <laughs> who and then that's it. <laughs>
1: that's
0: it. Um the, uh, I enjoy the, the inn, which is very busy. Uh, there are chowder tubes they are used to dispense I the food. That. Oh, it's very good. It's very, feels very industrial, right? It's got that, uh, that feeling to it.
1: It reminded me of the Matrix. Like yes, the, the, the goop that they eat. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: um, the Moncal I thought just to my ears sounded ever so slightly Sean Connery. I mean, they all have kind of the gravel voice going mm-hmm. on, but that guy only yep. has a couple of lines and I was like, oh, he's got almost like a Sean Connery brogue happening there. A uh, bit. Everyone needs to eat," he tells him uh, when the Mandalorian tries to order just for uh, just for Baby Yoda. But instead, the Mandalorian pays him for some information about other Mandalorians uh and he says yeah i can i think i know somebody um and he goes to talk to a bunch of corin sitting at another table who are the squid-faced creatures mm-hmm. and, and
1: he- if you had the uh the captions on you heard that entire or you Indeed. read that entire conversation i
0: noticed that when i went back for my second watching i always watch with captions on and th- there's a lot more in there that you actually pretty much can't hear at all without mm-hmm. the captions <laughs> Yep. yeah um, I thought
1: that was weird
0: yeah because he's like others oh, with best car yeah there's a Mandalorian over there and it's like he's not as somebody pointed out he's not doing a great job of keeping a low profile uh, if that's his intention here <laughs> <laughs> um, baby Yoda eyes the chowder suspiciously the chowder eventually eyes baby Yoda back literally by a squid <laughs> jumping on
1: his face. <laughs> it was so funny uh, i'm not usually one for like ridiculous slapstick stuff but i guess when baby yoda is involved i make an exception (laughs) because it was just like you know just him looking around i never was worried for baby yoda although i wasn't expecting that to happen so i did actually like jump and yip out loud when it it latched onto his face
0: on my second watch that there are a couple whenever there's two scenes where you see them pouring the chowder and there are a couple like glug points where you see like something physical come out like there's like a bigger blob or something comes out of the chowder so i guess like you know every every bowl of chowder comes with a free squid i think is the the answer that's sort of like the centerpiece it's like when well, you want the chunks sometimes that's that's what makes it hearty um i also enjoyed this planet it seems to be more or less like mainly populated with two uh, sort of aquatic races which are both established star wars races the mon calamari most famously you know admiral ackbar from return of the jedi and then i think that his son is the one of the admirals who shows up in return uh, or uh, rise of skywalker um and also the quarren who i think we briefly see one in jabba's palace in some versions of the lore, they live on the same planet, and they kind of are at odds. Like, they have the same homeworld, uh, and they've had, like, this long-running sort of conflict. Doesn't really seem like, you know, that's the case here. They seem to coexist pretty peaceably on this planet. And I love, just overall, the the fishing, like, village fishing town kind of set here, I think is great. It looks fantastic. It's not a location type that we've ever seen in like mm-hmm. star wars before in fact like with the exception of i think really rise of skywalker most of the stuff we've seen like ocean and water is actually pretty uh-uh. scarce which i liked. yeah i liked it was very as different we
1: were, as we were watching this whole part you know stephen was like yeah we don't see a lot of boats yeah. in star wars and i was like yeah rise of skywalker we did but otherwise no and it does it feels very lived in like yeah. it does a great job of that star wars thing of giving you a you know a town or a society that just feels old like it's been here for a while these people have been doing this for a long time and it just it it feels real and lived in in a way that uh that not every show is able to to achieve yeah and
0: i I mean i i grew up you know i grew up in coastal new england more or less like not right on the coast but certainly not far from it and this feels very you know reminiscent of a lot of the sort of fishing towns up and down the new england coast or all the way up Mm. to things like newfoundland you know i i think that sort of air and atmosphere they really did a nice job of capturing it i thought it was fabulous i really enjoyed it um so the Mandalorian is approached by a Quarren, who says that he can take him uh, out. It'll take a few hours sailing, um, but, you know, it'll cost him. So we make the jump to the trawler um, you know, on the open seas. Uh, and the Mandalorians are sort of looking out to sea. And we, again, have all the, the Quarren sort of doing boat-like stuff. And then one of the Quarren strikes up a conversation about, you ever seen a Mama core eat? <laughs> I, I don't know about you, but I immediately was like, oh, this is all about to go bad. <laughs>
1: Uh, you know what? I didn't. I I was just so excited to be at sea. Mm. <laughs> I think that I was just like, yeah, they're on a trip. They're they they're on a boat. It's you know the the sailing is going great. I'm having flashbacks to like Master and Commander for <laughs> side of the universe. <laughs> and then, like I'm enjoying the music because you know when they're on the boat, like you, you get the theme song as incidental music, which yes, was the, the triumphant really exciting. theme
0: too, which is nice. which yeah. is like the uh, the major key kind of like up up mm-hmm. upbeat theme, which is nice.
1: So I feel like I was very distracted by that. I think maybe the music actually had a huge part huge part of why I didn't suspect anything was going to oh, be wrong because it right. is the triumphant version of the theme. Like he's on his way, man. He's gonna get yeah. there. <laughs> I just so, got so anxious about him standing on like the like
0: you know the the hall like the edge there. Like oh no, he's gonna get pushed <laughs> off. Something's gonna happen.
1: Oh man, I was completely taken in. I was like, yeah, I want to see how this mama core eats. This is exciting. <laughs> I'm I'm into this. What's what's gonna happen? I was completely shocked when they like, when the one like took his his weapon type thing and just. Like, basically, used it as a bat to shoot Baby Yoda's little cradle right into the water. I was like, What? No.
0: Yeah. So, uh, the the corn immediately, like, basically draws them over and then whacks the the Baby Yoda in there. And Baby Yoda at least has the foresight to, like, close the bassinet before getting swallowed whole by the creepy Mama Core thing that we don't really see all of, but it has quite a big maw. Uh, mm-hmm. And Mando, again, to his credit, and you know f- filling up his role uh, as protector, dives in immediately. Yep. Um, they shut him in with a sort of grate and he is basically prodded and pushed down like into the uh, into the water and it, yeah it's y- not
1: that great really yeah, When you think y- about it's,
0: it. <laughs> it's an anti-grate um, <laughs> and uh, uh, you can kind of hear them talking about like oh we'll be rich we get all this Beskar it's like hey so mm-hmm. you have to get it out of that thing that seems like a pain I don't know it seems like a lot of work but I guess
1: maybe uh, maybe when uh, Mama Cor eats something you collect it in mm. like you know two to five days
0: <laughs> that, that could be that could be uh, the, you know I think we we talked a, a little bit just, like, throughout the series about, like, the value of the best car, right? Like, exactly mm-hmm. how much is it worth? And I think the answer seems to be quite a bit, <laughs> like, a that lot. people are willing to go to these lengths. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't go great for the Quarren as a bunch of Mandalorians rocket onto the ship and basically beat the crap out of the Quarren. One of them, I noticed, has, a like, a freaking gun in his <laughs> armor. Like, he shoots people <laughs> with what sound like, like, a bullets, which is quite sobering for a moment there uh one of them dives in to save the child and and rockets out with the bassinet which he then like rips open uh and Mm -hmm. i was a little worried they were gonna like cut baby yoda like pulling baby yoda out of like the wreckage there
1: (laughs) i was scared for baby yoda too i really was Mm. uh
0: we have a brief moment where the mandalorian's very thankful and he's almost on the point of a fuse he's just so glad he's found his people and then of course they commit that cardinal sin they Uh take their hats off Oh no. Uh and we are introduced to Bo Katan of Clan Kris uh and her two um compatriots. And we have an interesting conversation. Uh that again, this is I think where stuff gets intriguing for me as someone who does know a lot about the lore. Because we talked a lot in the first season about, uh, for those who have seen the animated shows, there are quite a bit of Mandalorians in those animated shows. Uh-huh. And they never, they never, there's no blinking about taking helmets off. People do it all the time. And so from day one, I think a lot of us who did have that knowledge were like, what is the deal with this guy? Because like, that's <laughs> not a thing that we've ever heard of before. Um, and I think especially after the Marshall earlier in the season, where we did have a legitimate imposter. Uh, and that was sort of the mm-hmm. tip of the hat there, if you will, to like when he takes the, the helmet off and immediately admits he's not Mandalorian. The Mandalorian has the same response, right? Like, where did you get the armor? Like, who are you? You're imposters. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bo-Katan explains that, nope, she's not an imposter. This is the armor has been in her family for three generations. And uh, when he confronts her on the not covering her face, she sort of seems to have a moment of recollection or uh, recognition <laughs> and, and says that you know or
1: the other guy first that yes. the guy says oh, oh, he's one, one of them.
0: them yeah i which I, I enjoyed um and so it turns out it seems that the Mandal- the mandalorian our our mandalorian is a child of the watch uh is what bokatan calls him which is part of a essentially a cult that wants to go back to like
1: old ways yeah and i was i i thought that this worked just fine because i had i'd never seen a mandalorian take their helmet off before the only one that i had seen as you said is is in the marshall so i feel like the way that they have dribbled that out throughout the season was very wise to put that episode before this one um but i feel like i was learning stuff Right along with the Mandalorian, because it seemed like from everything that I had seen in this show before, he thought that that's just the Mandalorian way, and all of the other Mandalorians that we saw in the first season never took their helmets off, and that was mm-hmm. a big deal, as we saw on, you know previously on stuff to to remind us that that's a big deal, and yeah, so I also thought that they were not that they were not actually Mandalorians when they first took them off. So then when they like spill out this the stuff about how they're actually the normal mandalorians yeah. and he's the weird one i was like ooh i think i feel like i had a similar reaction to him almost he was like he did, he had never even heard of the child of the watch thing before so yeah, i was just like okay right. this is this is getting interesting right
0: and it's interesting too because we know from his background in in the first season that you know he is not a uh, like born a Mandalorian, right. right? He was found. He was adopted by the Mandalorians, which is even more interesting, I think, because it sort yeah. of you know pa- points to that old sort of Canard about like there's no one more zealous than the convert, right? Like he he <laughs> has adopted this, and so he is. It is basically his identity, right? Like so much of his identity is tied up in the way because yep. that's that's what's that's what saved him. That is what has enabled him to live his life. And I think it's interesting to see this as the first, so to speak, crack in the armor there, where <laughs> it's like, oh, uh, have I he's, he's start maybe questioning his faith a little bit, which I think will be an interesting uh, you know, development if they sort of continue along this path.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, as we'll get to by the end, like it's he he, he leaves them immediately right away there. Yeah. But it's not like he's out to try to kill them or anything, which would be very foolish because it's clear that they are badass and he would have no chance. Right. But right. um, but yeah, so it's it, it's interesting that he he sort of just takes a step back and is I don't know. I feel like he's not proce- taking the time to process at all at this point right. because it's just so new to him. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So he's basically not, not willing to hear it. He's like, I'm out, there's only one way, and he takes off. Uh we then get a really actually I thought a beautiful shot where the Mandalorians jet off the trawler and basically blow it up yes. beside yes. themselves. <laughs> but oh against like the sunset, you know, sign of low against the clouds, which I thought was it kind of reminded me there's a shot in The Force Awakens, uh with TIE Fighters against like the sunset, and it kinda has that same sort of color mm-hmm. to it. And it's interesting too, because it's like we've seen very little color in this entire planet because everything's very gray so it yes. really stood out um the Mandalorian makes it back to the docks where he is jumped by a bunch of Corrin who are upset that they he killed all the ones on the boat which of course he didn't really do um
1: but they think he did because they, they know that he, he went did. out on that boat yep. and
0: yep. it didn't come back and they're gonna kill his pet which they I guess they believe <laughs> baby Yoda to be uh but the Mandalorians arrive and save him once again and offer to buy him a drink and we learn a little bit more. Trask is apparently a, a planet with a big black market. There are some weapons being sought and or, excuse me bought and sold uh, using the plunders of Mandalore as uh, as our katan says. And so they are planning to seize those weapons and eventually retake Mandalore and basically, Bring it independent again. There's again some difference of opinion here because the Mandalorian believes Mandalore is cursed and that anybody who goes there is basically dead. Gonna die. Uh, and uh, the Mandalorians are like, mm, that's kind of a disinformation thing that the Empire has been doing to just sort of split us all up and keep us pacified, basically. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's
1: interesting because the show doesn't give us any information one way or the other. I mean, Mm -hmm. maybe, you know, because you've seen other things, but just from watching the Mandalorian, like I have no idea if he's right, if they're right, like not a clue. And that is that is interesting.
0: Yeah. Yes. Uh, and I will say there is, I mean, based on stuff you've seen in the animated show, there is a fairly conclusive belief. I won't go into it one way or the other here, just in case that people are trying <laughs> to maintain some spoiler free stuff. Um, but there is, you know, there is some evidence to support one of those points of view. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh-huh uh in that i will say that uh bo katan who is played here by katie sackoff who people might know uh, from Battlestar galactica as starbuck uh actually appears as that character bo katan in some of the earlier animated shows oh cool she is the voice of that character which was this is the first major jump of a uh you know uh, one of the characters from that animated series into uh the mandalorian which is very interesting wow (laughs) um so the Mando, he's not having it. He's here to return the child to the Jedi, he says. And, you know, again, Bo-Katan looks pretty, uh, she has got sort of an incisive look about her as she asks how much Mandalorian <laughs> knows about the Jedi. And he's like, I basically know nothing. <laughs> uh, I was hoping that you guys would help me. He mentions by creed. I assume that means because mm-hmm. they were Mandalorian, essentially, like Mandalorian yeah. stick together. Um, and they agree, but they say, first, we need something from you, which is basically to rob an Imperial freighter of weapons. Um, so we get a scene where they sort of suss out. There's this freighter. Uh, it's got a bunch of guns on it. They're going to hit it. Uh, they need to sort of jet onto it because they can't hide aboard. And they want his help dealing with the squad of stormtroopers on, on board, who fortunately couldn't hit the side of a Bantha. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I like that line, too. That guy has good lines. Oh, he's got
0: uh, Simon Cassianides, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, who I know from he was a recurring character in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and also the Suits spinoff Pearson, which aired for one season. He played a fairly major ah. part on that. Uh, I, I always enjoyed him. I think he's got great delivery. Uh, he's got just a really, really good look about him, too. He's very handsome. He's got like the kind of dark curly hair mm-hmm. and stuff. Yep. Um and the other Mandalorian is played by uh Sasha Banks, I believe, who is a uh WWE wrestler. Oh wow. <laughs> which is the second um uh sort of professional fighter we've had after um Gina Carano as Cara Dune. So interesting they they seem to be picking a lot of people who have like, you know, physicality as part of their roles, yeah. which I thought was kind of cool. Um so uh the obviously Mando's not going to take baby Yoda uh on this mission, so he leaves the child with the frogs and tells him to be on his best behavior. You know what I'm talking about.
1: <laughs> I was so worried. I know a lot of people were.
0: I know, I heard that. Um mm-hmm. and and there immediately we get a scene where he you know puts his face up against the glass of the canister of the eggs and one of the eggs hatches into a little tadpole. Um uh-huh. and again, were you more worried at that point? Because <laughs> now you're like, oh, I think but now I was- they're alive.
1: Yeah, because, yeah, and, you know, his little face is just like so. But I feel like I, the second time I watched it, I, I read his his happy face as being more full of wonder yes, than I full agree. of hunger.
0: I thought it was like, char- I, I wrote that he was charmed here, which I thought was. Yes. I mean, he's connected to the force in some way. These are living beings now. And I feel like mm-hmm. there is a certain Not just living, but sentient. S- but sentient. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like there is some sort of perhaps you know learning experience going on here yes (laughs) Um, exactly yeah so the mandos fly on board uh the ship they take out a bunch of troopers on the side which is kind of a fun little action sequence again we are you know treated to the fact that they are extremely competent (laughs) um there is a great scene where the captain walks in and they're talking about the pirates coming on board and a stormtrooper is thrown across the windshield and sort of slides off uh which i thought was very funny. Uh, we have Bo-Katan knifing a bunch of stormtroopers as they go in. They are very efficient. uh, And that Mm -hmm. is, there's a joke about that as the captain, you know, is overhearing everybody yelling about pirates attacking and he asks how many are there and someone's like, there's gotta be like 10 of them. (laughs) (laughs) and the pilot's like there's only four and then someone says wait they're mandalorians and then gets cut off and we have a great moment Mm -hmm. where the pilot does this like very slow head turn towards (laughs) the captain who is looking a bit uh perhaps more nervous about this Mm -hmm. um the captain tells them to climb the ship even though they're not supposed to because they're still in the harbor um and this uh you know they they're trying to get out of the atmosphere as fast as possible um the mandalorians use a smoke bomb and their like heat vision which turns out to be a good combo as they basically murder a Mm -hmm. lot of stormtroopers and they're going after the cargo bay and the officer in the cargo bay is told to uh, keep them there until the ship can make a jump to hyperspace um which is another particularly great scene uh we've got a slow one of those slow moments where the elevator's coming up and i don't know what you but i thought for sure the elevator would open and they wouldn't be in it like it was a decoy It just Uh felt like one of those moments of like, they're all (laughs) like already right like all got their guns pointed at the elevator and then they were gonna like come in behind them.
1: But no, they come out guns blazing from the elevator. And it was like, as you said, very efficient, like they do a great job of of coming out. They
0: they have zero concern about the stormtroopers, clearly, right? Like they have, Mm -hmm. they have already decided these people are just kind of in their way. Uh, which they are yeah and then we get a another great moment where the officer sh- shoots once and then like ducks behind a console and it's like ah, close all the doors close all the doors uh <laughs> <and> which one <laughs> all of them and so they close all the doors and they trap them and we have a another funny exchange where he says you know we have them trapped where, where do you have them trapped in the cargo control area and the captain does a double take and goes <laughs> he's like where, where? <laughs> you know and then you know and then immediately <laughs> we get the the cargo bay gets vacuumed as they all get sucked out into into the air, uh, which goes badly for them. Uh, yeah
1: i think it might have been at this point where steven turned to me and said you know i feel like maybe the uh the imperial empire doesn't have the like highest quality of manpower anymore yeah it does seem
0: like like they maybe after endor uh they had some problems getting really those uh the top-notch recruits anymore
1: uh uh-huh yeah everybody that was left or left and willing to join was um maybe the scraping the bottom of the barrel sort of speak or,
0: or at least like the competent people are kind of distributed so right like so the captain here mm-hmm. seems like perhaps yes. he is kind of on top of things but he it's hard to find good help these days as they say and he seems <laughs> uh-huh. like he's having to deal with a lot of people who are perhaps not the most well trained so we uh we get crates of weapons um in here that uh bo-katan and the mandalorians unpack and they get in touch with the captain and they said oh we're not we're not gonna jettison any of your stuff. We're gonna take your whole ship, and uh, Katie Sackhoff gets to deliver the line about
1: "Put some tea on. We'll be up in a minute," <laughs> which is a great line and it's very fun. But I feel like that was a tactical misstep because mm. that gives him time to you know do what he does next. And I right. feel like if he would have just thought that they were gonna be jettisoning things, jettisoning things, uh, things would have gone very differently.
0: Right. So, you should, like the Mandalorians, they're they're competent, but they're also a little bit cocky, right? Like, yep. I, I you know somebody pointed out as I was having a conversation about this that's like well do they do they really even need Mando right like the three of them clearly no. are well oiled machine <laughs> right yeah and I sort of think like he's he is helpful but I think some of this uh-huh. a lot of this is like a test kind of right like they're mm-hmm. they're kind of trying to suss out this guy you know is he a zealot like is he any good is he really a Mandalorian yeah. like each each side is sort of testing the other to a certain degree. Um, yeah that does make sense yeah the Mandalorian says this is more than he signed up for he's not here to steal a ship he's got to get back you know to the child etc but Bo-Katan essentially is changing the terms of the deal um pray (laughs) that she doesn't change them further I guess Um, she's (laughs) she's looking for something and she kind of throws in his face a this is the way in a very sarcastic like (laughs) like kind of moment which I thought was interesting again the the relationship between these characters it's it's very tenuous even at this point uh mm-hmm. which i enjoy that they have a little bit of like trying to figure the other out uh back on the bridge the captain contacts our old friend moff gideon for backup um uh, but moff gideon is reluctant um because once he hears the mandalorians are the ones who have taken the ship and that they've basically killed everybody he's like yeah no, you're, screwed. Much. you're you're done sorry uh, and he tells the captain essentially you know what to do long live the empire captain apparently does know what to do because he repeats long live the empire shoots both the pilots and then puts the ship into a dive
1: <laughs> yeah i was i was actually really impressed by this because you know like you said he is the one that is competent on this ship and mm-hmm. like he wastes no time sometimes you get scenes where it's just it's agonizing to me it's just like you know the hesitation or taking time to to say silly lines or whatever but no he just like bang bang those the, the, both of the pilots are dead and he is in the in the seat and just boom trying to dive like he he knows his job and he's trying to do it and do it well
0: yeah this this is the one of the people who clearly left over from yep. <laughs> the the old mm-hmm. empire uh model of efficiency here um so now we have the mandalorians basically go to take the bridge but they're pinned down including uh by some stormtroopers with some very heavy weapons this is the point where the mandalorian does seem to prove his worth as it were he goes in <laughs> with a bunch of his little hockey puck bombs uh and takes a bunch of blaster shots <laughs> to his armor and then sort of does a thing where it almost looks like he almost like trips and just like has like a mm-hmm. shopping bag full of things that he spills <laughs> all over the floor uh but it seems to work as it blows yep. up a lot of stormtroopers
1: you know i feel like if this was the first and only episode that i had seen of the mandalorian my impression of him would be that he's kind of just like a a uh, big, foolish galoot <laughs> who just hapless. wanders wanders through life and manages to luck into a lot of things because, you know, y- y- you get the the landing at the beginning, which doesn't go great, uh, and then you get him being duped into being, you know, thrown into the Mamacore pit, and then the first thing he does when he gets out of that is to take Baby Yoda and walk through what looks like a terrible <laughs> part of town in the dark and... Just completely get jumped by a bunch of guys, and then you know he maybe he doesn't have to be saved. He probably could have jetted away if, if the other Mandalorians had saved him. Probably, but it just yeah, it just seems like any time that Baby Yoda's around especially in this episode that he's not the most competent and then you get this like he's he does better on the ship in this scene he's able to to help them out by clearing out the uh, the stormtroopers but the way that he does it just looks it's so hapless like it's you said very it's awkward, very yeah. it's very clumsy looking and weird
0: yeah and i, I kind of tell i kind of am wondering if that is a point that they're trying to make like i think some of it is that he is a loner, fundamentally, right? Like, he has worked with other people in the past, but he's never worked with other Mandalorians, really. You know, even with the scene where the Mandalorians kind of save his bacon early on uh, Mm -hmm. in Season 1, he's kind of, again, you know, he's not working directly with them. They kind of come and help him out. So... I think it's kind of alien to him to be part of some team that is this competent, and like yeah. th- I think there there's an interesting interplay there where it's like well i can I can contribute i can, i'm t- I'm totally good at this guys um and he is we know he is we know he's very competent, but I think there's a degree of almost like since his faith has almost been questioned or he has started questioning his faith, it kind of seems like you know he's distracted or he is you know uh focused on other things and he's not necessarily at the top of his game here but he does manage to contribute which is
1: yeah which is i good. i honestly at first when i i thought when he sort of like made a move i thought he was going to use his uh his whistling birds mm, to yeah. take take them out but i don't know if those need to be like refilled or recharged or something and so all he had was the bombs or what the deal was but yeah when he ran in like it made for a good scene because yeah, it was interesting sure. to watch but it was not what I expected. Not not his finest
0: hour, but it worked. You get the results. Uh, mm-hmm. They break into the bridge, they remove the captain, pull the ship up, and Bo Katan questions him. She is looking for the dark saber and wants to know if he has it. Uh, to which the captain replies, If you're asking, you already know. <laughs> um, and she says, You'll let me, you know, I'll let you live, but you got to tell me where it is. Um, and he says, You might let me live, but he won't. And then takes an electric suicide pill. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Which is also a great like, album Wow I, um,
1: <laughs> I, was, I was glad that he did the electric suicide pill thing Because I honestly thought And probably if it wasn't a Disney show It would have gone this way yeah. I thought, you know, she's got a, a, a pointy knife thing to his neck And I thought he was just going to smash Impale his himself. neck down Yep, I thought the same it. thing
0: Whew. Yeah. That, glad, glad it didn't dark, go that way. A little dark for this show. Yes. Uh, not that the show isn't dark at times, but yeah, that did feel mm-hmm. potentially possibly ca- crossing the line there. Bloody. Yeah. It, it did rem- remind me a little bit of um, uh, um, Luke getting shocked by the Emperor at the end of Return of the Jedi. It had uh-huh. that sort of moment of it. Um, and this is, of course, you know, we, we've, uh, we've seen the Darksaber on the show. Um, mm-hmm. That is, then we know that Moff Gideon has it. We don't know. How he came into possession of it. Bo-Katan seems intent upon saying that it was hers. Uh, again there is some there is some backstory to this in the animated series. Um, Uh,
1: Yeah. And that's one of the things that I have sort of just gleaned because I remember after the series season finale of the first season, people just like losing their, (laughs) you know, the the cheese was sliding right off the cracker for a lot of people (laughs) because they were really excited. Oh, my God, Darksaber, which is not a word that we had heard on the show, but I learned it because of because of Twitter. So I knew exactly what they were talking about, you know, when when she asked about it um but yeah i didn't know any of the history except for little bits and pieces that i had sort of gleaned on twitter so even you know knowing very little about it i even if i hadn't heard the word darksaber i think i would have figured out exactly what they were talking about because you know what else could they be talking about so it wasn't a confusing thing at all
0: yeah we i mean you've you've had the like we haven't had that many things on the show where it's like that's a weird thing that we don't know anything about (laughs) like Mm -hmm. so that's kind of it does narrow the focus a little bit um so the mando's gonna leave even though the uh the mandalorians are like you can come you can come with us if you want like feel free um but he's got a he's got his quest so he asks where you can find the jedi uh and the uh Katan tells him to go to the city of caladan on the forest planet of corvus and tells him there you will find ahsoka tano um and gives him a much more sincere this is the way uh on uh-huh. departure there uh ahsoka is also uh, a pretty significant character <laughs> if we end up uh, actually seeing her which i assume we will um she is a uh, you know basically from mm-hmm. both clone wars and rebels uh, a fairly major character in that sort of animated sub-universe so a lot of people myself included are very excited about this <laughs>
1: Even I was excited when I saw that name come out because that is a name that I definitely know just because of, you know, Twitter and Slack and, you know, one of my friends being like the biggest Ahsoka Tano fan <laughs> in the world. Um, so i was <laughs> i was like wow okay that's an exciting twist that i wasn't expecting because i haven't played attention to you know casting announcements yeah, there, and stuff
0: there have been a lot of rumors about it but it was still nice to hear the na- like i thought for sure they wouldn't drop a name she'd just be like yeah there's a jedi i know go to this planet and, and look them up and i was like yeah we're gonna be cagey about it but nope she just comes right out and it's like yep this is who you're going to see uh and yeah that's a uh, kind of a big deal we'll see how it goes but uh the mando uh jets off And finds Baby Yoda with the frogs playing with the newly hatched tadpole. And again, I feel like at this point, it seems much more of a, Mm -hmm. like, you know, it's like a, it's like a little kid playing with like a baby or something, right? Like just fascinated and kind of in awe of it, which I thought was, it was nice. It was a nice end to that whole kind of, I think a little (laughs) bit of a roller coaster of an arc that, that people felt very strongly about.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I thought it was like, Baby Yoda is very clearly petting that baby, not like grabbing for it. So, and like. You know it's and it i feel like that's what mando thinks as well because when he picks up baby yoda and says you know like baby is reaching no i want to you know i gotta i gotta i want to i want to get friend. the thing he friend. says no we ha- we already have too many pets he doesn't right. say you don't need supper yes, or something exactly like
0: that. you're not hung- you're not hungry um they return to the razor crest which has been strung together literally <laughs> I broke. love it so
1: much. I want it never to change.
0: <laughs> the Mandalorian is, has that moment of disbelief. I gave you a thousand credits. This was the best you can do. And Mon Calmar just hands him the bill, basically. <laughs> uh, I mean,
1: that was a lot of netting and, yeah. you know, cord and stuff. Rigging, that's, that basically. could have been a thousand credits just of nets.
0: Yeah, that's right. I mean, like, I, I like that the the cockpit has been redone in like a decor right like it's like when you go to somebody's beach house and there's like lobster traps and nets and stuff like that there are oars and whatever it's like yeah we just redid we did a little interior design while we were at it
1: it was basically like it's it's red lobster
0: (laughs) (laughs) and the uh uh mandalorian mon calamari unbelievable um it's gonna be a bumpy ride it turns out but at least they know where they're going uh, but there is no seatbelt still though. No seatbelt still. There's but there's plenty of rope. So <laughs> that's true. Uh, we do get this last scene where a squid crab creature sort of climbs up the ropes mm-hmm. and then lowers down towards Baby Yoda and hisses. But the Mando does his thing where he just like doesn't even look and just like reaches out and catches it. And the and Baby Yoda just giggles because he thinks this is hilarious.
1: Uh huh. Yeah, I was never. Like, I don't know if I was supposed to be worried for Baby Yoda, but I was not at all. I Like, I saw a thing climb out and I was like, oh, look, it's lunch. And the only time that I thought for a second that, oh, wait, the show wants me to be worried about Baby Yoda is when you get the POV shot from the Squid Creature's view. And there's like nine Baby Yoda faces. I was like, oh, wait a minute. This this thing is is supposed to be scary? Yes. (laughs) It's not. It's not.
0: The Mandalorian grabs it and then we get a uh, reverse shot of Baby Yoda slurping down the last tentacle, essentially uh Mm -hmm. before the razor crest jumps to hyperspace leaving one floating panel behind which hopefully isn't too important (laughs) which as several people pointed out is kind of a shot directly out of uh, firefly or serenity i think they use a very (laughs) similar shot at one point where the panel floats by but yeah Uh, the the razor crest not in great shape
1: (laughs) yeah i was thinking more back to the future with like a license plate oh yes spinning on the ground
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, clearly he has problems with license plate as we learned last week like they (laughs) that's true be careful there um, well, that is chapter 11. And that was like we said, there's a, there's some big tie-ins to the, um, to the, the rest of the universe there, as with so many of these things, it's unclear, like how much more we'll see of some of these characters. Although with the tie in to the dark saber, my personal theory is that like, we will certainly see Bo-Katan return. I, I think it's kind of going to kind of mirror last season where he's meeting a bunch of people and then needs to call on a, a whole bunch of allies. It kind of feels like to me. Mm -hmm. i don't know i don't know what your thoughts are going forward
1: i uh, since i don't know a whole lot of you know extra information i just know the mandalorian stuff like i i'm a little bit worried at this point simply because like you know he he his job now is to protect the child until he can bring the child to the jedi and like it looks like he's going to meet a jedi maybe not necessarily right in the next episode but at some point soon and i'm like well then but 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 Baby Yoda, like, yeah. unless the show starts following the Jedi and Baby Yoda, am I still going to be watching I don't know. So I'm I'm sure they are going to work it out and it will be just fine. But I, I did have that moment of going, oh, wait a minute. What if what if he's done? Like he, right. he finishes his quest. Oh,
0: yeah, no. no, I think this is a fascinating question because there's a lot of stuff up in the air about this. Like, A, as we talked about, he's already dealt with some like, well, OK, I'm part of a cult, apparently. Like now he's got to figure <laughs> uh-huh. that out. Um, and I think as James Thompson pointed out when we discussed this last week, like, Baby Yoda is so critical to the show that the idea that they would just be like <laughs> write it, write him off seems uh-huh. like a pretty hard sell. Um, yep. And especially because he, especially because he's like he doesn't have a contract, guys. He's not being paid a salary. <laughs> like seems <laughs> like true. you could probably afford to keep him around. Uh, he's uh-huh. not gotten like you know. I, I do. I will look forward to a. Uh, You know, some sort of short at some point where it's like Baby Yoda in his trailer demanding increasingly like, (laughs) like, I want the caviar and all the frog (laughs) eggs and bring them to my my trailer. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think there's so many more. The universe has gotten so much wider, even in these first three episodes, that there's a lot more possibility out there in terms of where are we going from here and what will be the answer we got here? Because we've got a villain in Moff Gideon that's still sort of hanging (laughs) off on the horizon. He wanted Baby Yoda for some reason we don't know why uh, he's got the dark saber we don't know how he came by that or what his sort of deal with that is and then we have now have Bo Katan looking for the dark saber um, you know and, and trying to bo- take her planet back right exactly so the, we're starting to kind of get a larger scope here which you know I know some people liked the in season one they felt like very self contained and very small scope stories and I don't think necessarily we're going to get to the level of you know giant star wars space battles but i do think Mm -hmm. that the mandalorian is kind of poised to be a a player on a somewhat larger stage than season one Mm
1: -hmm. and they definitely have the option of like having some of those big time things play out sort of in the background and have the show still be episodic this is mando and the child you know having an adventure on this one planet you know, and and referring to the things that the the bigger things that are happening and, you know, maybe popping in and out of them as needed, but it doesn't have to take over the show. So I'm not really worried about that.
0: Right, right. And so if this season's overall arc seems to be the quest, right, um, mm-hmm. I think that's uh, personally I was thinking about this today as I was sort of walking around mulling this episode and I was thinking, I feel like next week is probably too soon to meet Ahsoka, I think we're probably going to need to have a little buffer there. It's only, you know, four episodes into an eight episode season. I feel like they're going to want to leave that sort of towards the end of the season.
1: Maybe I'll be wrong. He's probably, he's probably got to get the Razor Crest fixed better before he can make it all the way to wherever the forest planet of Corvus is. Yes. And, and
0: I I also feel like I've been surprised three episodes in that we haven't seen any of our familiar faces from season one, really. Um, And it kind of feels like maybe that's something that he might you know need to call upon them for some help at some point because he's now he's walking into a situation that he doesn't really understand or know that much about like he knows he's supposed to bring the child to the jedi i think i get the feeling he's still a little wary of the jedi based on what he was told last season um Mm -hmm. but uh, obviously he's still intent upon protecting the child and I, i think as you point out like again It doesn't seem like he's just going to show up to dump the the child on the doorstep of the Jedi and be like, well, Mm -hmm. job done, right? Like, he has an actual relationship with Baby Yoda now, and that's going to be like, they are in a clan together. That's going to prove tricky. So I think there's a lot of interesting questions there uh, in terms of how that all plays out once you get all those pieces on the board. But like, they're doing a nice job, I feel like, of simmering these various little arcs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh once again I wanted to say the music was fantastic and I'm still disappointed that Disney has chosen not to release the soundtracks every week because That's I a really, bummer. I enjoyed listening to them last year. I'm very surprised and kind of disappointed because Ludwig yeah, is Ludwig there and stuff is great.
1: reasoning is there any reasoning for for why they haven't done that like did they just not make enough money on it last year that they figured it wasn't worth it or? i
0: believe it was like mostly on streaming services too so it seems like mm. hey, do people even really quote-unquote pay for it right like
1: mm-hmm.
0: um or, you know i i don't know i don't know so i i had seen a rumor in an interview with ludwig gorensen that um it they said it was going to be released the soundtrack for season two would be released sometime in november but it was unclear to me if they meant like all of it like that's before some episodes air they're not going to release music from like episodes that haven't I'd aired hope, yet are they that's not yeah it's annoying it feels like kind of spoilery potentially Um mm-hmm. for the last season of Clone Wars they did it in chunks because there were like three separate separate four episode arcs and they released at the end of an arc they released all the music for that four episode arc that was fine you know it took a few weeks extra but it, it was still nice because it didn't spoil anything and it got the music out there but yeah I, I'm kind of puzzled about where the, what they're doing with this and why Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. any, any last thoughts for you or any, uh, last theories?
1: I don't have much in the way of theories. Cause I feel like I just, I don't even know enough. To be able to theorize, I'm just looking forward to seeing what happens next. I really hope that he doesn't get rid of the netting over the seats because I am fond of that look for some reason. Um, but I do hope, I do look forward to seeing the razor Crest uh, looking a little bit better. And I really want him to get a new bassinet for Baby Yoda because I am nervous all the time now.
0: That's right. He doesn't have Quill to build him a new, a new one either, which is, which is sad. So he's going to uh-huh. have to figure out how to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Mm, lots of challenges ahead. Lots of challenges yep. ahead. So many. All right. Well, the, we've reached the end of the episode, which means all I have to do is thank my wonderful guest, Erica Ensign. Thank you so much for being here this week.
1: Thank you so much for for telling me all kinds of things that I didn't know already. <laughs> I I kept I kept some stuff in the in the pocket just because I don't want to spoil everything.
0: Mm-hmm. um but yeah i am excited also to see it from the perspe- perspective of people who are not as you know uh, uh, steeped in the lore as it were uh, because yep. I, I feel like that anytime i talk doctor who with you where it's like i don't know you're like oh this is a thing <laughs> from this episode in 1974 and i'm like what <laughs> i would yep, not know yes that otherwise <laughs> um listeners thank you so much for following along uh really in- appreciate all the support for the show Uh, We will be back next week to discuss uh, chapter 12, whatever it may be entitled. But until then, this is the way.